Well, hey, grab your seats. We're going to dive right in to the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. If you're, that sounds familiar, it's because it is familiar. We're going to be talking this month about the full armor of God. I was praying this week, and I'm going to be very, very honest with you. I, I did not know what I wanted to preach on yet, and I was sitting, and I was listening, and I was like, all right, God, all right, let, what, what are we going to talk about? In fact, what's funny is I already have what we're going to talk about in October. Um, I already had that figured out, but I didn't know, like, and I always ask God, what is it that you are wanting to say to us? What, what's relevant for right now? What are, what are people going through, you know? Now, by the way, the word of God is powerful. It's the word of God. It's, it's living and, and breathing. And, and to be honest with you, I could read from any portion of it and it will minister to you. I could pull, you know, read out of the Old Testament or the prophets or the New Testament. And really, to be honest with you, there's going to be something that we could take away because it is truly God's love letter. As Gary said to us this morning, it's God's love letter to us. There's something to always be learned. And, and it doesn't matter what we're, what we're even going through. There's something to always glean from. But... All that being said, I was like, Lord, what is it that you are specifically wanting to say to us? And I instantly heard God say, stand your ground. Stand your ground. And I said, okay, God. Where? where, do, where, where where's the scripture? Where am I going to pull from that? And I heard him say, Ephesians chapter 6. And to be honest with you, it still hadn't clicked with me yet. All right? And I was a Sunday school teacher I taught children's ministry. I must have taught in uh, the full armor of God. I don't know how many times I've dressed up in the full armor of God, you know, for Sunday school. I've done it all. But I really, really felt like God was saying, there's something that I want to teach the church. And I kept hearing it, stand your ground. Stand your ground. So I want to look in Ephesians chapter 6, if you'll read it along with me, I'm going to read the full armor of God, starting in verse 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now first let me tell you, this is Paul writing and he's encouraging the church of Ephesus. And we went through Romans so you understand kind of Paul's style, right? Paul is a hard hitter. Paul comes straight at it. Paul is a tell you, you know, tell it like it is. Paul, you know, encourages through this kind of teaching style. Like, look, this is how you do it. This is how we walk this Christian life. So immediately he's encouraging. He's saying, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Now, I wouldn't normally do this, but I, I, I thought maybe it would just be encouraging. And, not, and I'm going to, by the way, raise my hand too. But if you have just been feeling lately, this last season, this last month, these last weeks, you feel like there is an all-out attack 
upon you, upon your family, upon... And I don't mean physical, I mean spiritual. You just feel it. But if you just feel like, I feel like I'm getting beat up. Would you raise your hand if that's how you feel? Okay, all right. Most of us in this room feel that way. And I wanted you to see that because I wanted you to know you're not walking through this alone. This isn't something like it's just you. Wow, am I the only one feeling this? Am I the only one going through this? No. I've sensed it. I've been feeling it in my own life. And I really felt like God is saying, I, listen, I, I want to encourage you, but let me tell you what not to do. Don't run. Stand your ground. Then Paul says this. He kind of pulls back the veil in verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. This is why I don't get too hung up in, like, the political scene. Or I don't get too hung up with, you know, when I see things kind of, you know, with my visual eyes, or when I'm watching the news, or, you know, because I, I know that it's more than what we're seeing, because I believe what God's word says, that our fight isn't just physical. You know, when I, when I get frustrated, when I get upset, when I get mad, you know, the first thing I want to do is, you know, I want to do something physical, right? I want to physically punch somebody in the face because it'll make me feel better. The problem is, is, you know, punch somebody in the face, you know what I mean? You're only going to continue to cause more problems for yourself. But what you're feeling may not be wrong. It may just be misplaced. You may be feeling agitated. You may be feeling frustrated. You may be feel like that something is pushing against you and you don't know where it's coming from. But here's the thing. Instead of punching somebody physically in the face or screaming at your spouse or, you know, beating your kids, you know. No, I know nobody beats their kids in here. But you want to, in your mind, you beat your kids. But even though you may feel that way, there may be something in the spiritual that you do need to fight, that you do need to push back on. Number 13, therefore, here it goes, therefore, that means we need to be paying attention to what is written next. Put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Verse 14, stand your ground. Stand your ground. Can't tell you how many movies I've watched where, you know, they're all lined up and they're fighting the enemy. You know, there's the famous movie, The Patriot, one of my favorite movies, and it's because it stirs something inside of me. They start retreating. The British are pushing them back and they're pushing on them and they're pushing on them. They have way more ammo than them. They have way more, you know, men in arms than they do. And they're pushing and they're pushing. And I love this picture. You know, Mel Gibson grabs the flag. That's all. He doesn't grab a gun. He grabs the flag and he runs to the front of the line. And he's telling them, do not retreat. Stand your ground. Stand. Stand. And of course we know the story. You know, we win. 
we win. You know, freedom reigns. We win. I was watching this TV episode. It's really, really cool. It's called um, uh, Hard to Kill. Hard to Kill. And it's this uh, history. It's on the uh, Discovery Channel. Sorry, it's on Discovery Channel. And this guy is a former uh, Navy SEAL, and he's an MMA fighter. And what he does is he goes and he says, you know, most of, you know, 75% of the world does jobs where they go to an office and they sit in this kind of, you know, cubicle and blah, blah, blah. He goes, but what about the rest? What about the other people who go and put their lives on the line for their job? So the very first episode was about American bullfighters. Okay, and if you don't know what it, because I didn't know what an American bullfighter was. Everybody knows what a bullfighter is, right? Those guys with the, the red, oh, you know, you know, I don't know, I don't, why do it? A French thing, it's, <laughs> they're Spanish. Thank you, though. So, it's my improvisation just jumped out there, and it was... So, but I, but I, you know, there's those, there's those, the, Span, the Spanish bullfighters, but there's a thing called American bullfighters, and American bullfighters are completely different. American bullfighters are actually what we used to be known as rodeo clowns. Well, rodeo clowns have gotten way more sophisticated in our current day and age, and it's because bull riding has become way more dangerous. They're breeding meaner, bigger, stronger bulls. I mean, these bulls will kill you. These bulls mean business, and they're ticked off. So this guy, he's like, I'm going to train to be an American bullfighter. So, of course, what do they do? They stick him in a ring with a bull, just him and the bull. They say, you're first going to learn how to just go toe-to-toe, go face-to-face with a bull. Well, guess what his first reaction was to do? To run around the ring. So here's the problem. Bulls are faster than we are. Why? They have four legs. We have two. And each one of their legs is so much more muscular, one leg could outrun us. They've got four. So what was interesting was his, uh, his trainer said, you don't run from a bull. You stand your ground. And I thought it was interesting. He goes, you get close. He kept telling him, get in there. Get in there. He said, get in his face. Get in that bull's face. You want to know why? There's something a bull can't do. He can't turn. Right? We have two legs and we can turn really quickly. A bull, because he's got four legs, actually has to do this giant swing around just to turn and face you. So what he said was, is, you want to know how to fight a bull and win? He goes, you stand as close as possible to him. When he charges, you sidestep and you stay right in that pocket right by his shoulder because he can't touch you. He's this big beast, but the closer you are to him, he can't touch you. And you know what? A light bulb went on in my head. And I thought, you know what? That's what God's been telling us to do. He said, the enemy can't touch you, but you keep running from him. The enemy will chase you and he will hunt you down. But if you stand your ground, he cannot touch you. He'll just circle you and circle you and circle you, but he will not be able to touch you. You know why? Because you are one of God's children. Because you are protected by the blood of the lamb. And as Paul is instructing, we are putting on the full armor of God so that we may resist and we may do what? We may stand our ground. Someone's going to need to turn the air on because I'm starting to sweat. Stand your ground. 
Let me finish. Thank you, Chuck Ruth. Verse 18. Oh, I'm sorry. I haven't even done the... Verse 13, therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you're able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Paul then says this, and pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysteries and plans that, that the good news is for the Jews and for the Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Paul is writing this and he's actually in prison. But I love how a physical prison is not stopping him is not stopping him from doing war in the spiritual realm, from writing and encouraging the church and speaking God's truths over them. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if you feel like there's a physical prison around you. I don't know if you feel like the body that you have is failing you. I don't know if the situation that you're in at work, you feel like it's a prison. I don't know if the school you go to seems oppressive and you seem like it's a prison. But let me show you something. Even though Paul was in a physical prison, he did not let it stop him. It did not let him stop him from doing war with the enemy from breaking chains in the spiritual realm. Be encouraged. Be encouraged by that. Let's talk about, by the way, I'm going to really, really break these down. I'm only going to do two pieces of armor each week. So I'm only going to do, so don't worry looking at your time thinking, oh, wow, Matt, you got a lot to, a lot to get through. So one, the very, very first thing Paul talks about is the belt of truth. The belt of truth. John 8, 32 says this, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make us free. <clears throat> There's, some, <coughs> excuse me. There's something about the truth. There's something about knowing what the truth is. There's something that we're constantly, even in our culture, pursuing and looking for the truth. There's all these TV shows out there, the, the truth of the universe, you know, the truth through aliens exist. You know, the truth, you know, there's treasure hunters and history hunters and they're constantly, everybody is searching for the truth. The thing is, is what they don't understand is the truth has already been given to us. The truth has already been revealed. The problem is, and you want to know what it is? The problem is, is that no one is accepting it. We live in a culture that we, everybody is right now. Everybody's right. You're all right. Whatever it is that you think and whatever it is you believe, you're right. Our culture seems to feed this. You want to know what the problem is with that? That's impossible. 
Because for truth to be truth, that means there has to be a lie. That means someone is lying and someone is speaking the truth. It's not both of us can't be telling the truth or both of us, you know what I mean? Someone is lying. And what's interesting is the Bible makes it clearly who's lying. Right? Satan. He's a liar. Right? He's a liar and he's constantly trying to get into your head. And he's constantly trying to twist God's word and twist his truth. So a belt, right? A belt was so much more than when a belt... Uh, you know, in today's day and age, we wear belts to hold up our pants, right? Especially us guys, right? We wear belts to hold up our pants. A belt did way much more than that for a Roman soldier, all right? First of all, it girded him up. So Romans would wear this, you know, kind of undergarment that kind of held him all together, okay? All right, wink, wink at all the adults in the room. It held him all Together, this soldier, so that he wasn't not together, right? All the furniture was in the same room, okay? He was comfortable. He, was able, he girded himself up, right? Everything was tight and everything was, right? So it kind of held him together so that, you know, he was able to go out and he was able to fight and he was able to run and be physical and all those things, you know, that you need to do. The other thing it did was that, uh, you know, the belt also would have been where he would have worn his, his knife, his sword. His, it's where he would have kept, you know, it's kind of the utility belt, right? For all you Batman fans out there, right? This could be modern day Batman utility belt. It had everything he needed right here, right? When he needed it, there it was. It was right here. The belt of truth. It's also, if you think about it, it's the centerpiece, It's the thing everything is hanging on. It's the thing that everything is attached to. It's the thing that's holding everything together. It's why Paul starts there. He starts with the most important thing. You guys, listen. You want to know what's going to hold you together? It's what you believe in. Because if you're believing a lie, everything's going to fall apart. You can't hold anything on your belt if it's not right, if it's not the truth. Everything's going to fall off. We need to believe the truth. And if you're wondering what the truth is, God's word is riddled with it. God's word is constant in what the truth is. We need to believe in God's truth. First of all, we need to believe the truth of who God is. Who is he? Because let me tell you something, if you don't know who God is, or if you're misunderstood on who God is, that right there is going to send everything else on a, you know, a trajectory going the opposite way that you were wanting to go in. The truth of who God is, I listed some. Some of the things the Bible says that God is, and it's in your notes if you have them. <clears throat> Yahweh Jireh, or Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, found in Genesis uh, 22, 13 through 14. God is the God of provision. He is the God who provides. If you are walking through a time of your life and you're feeling that, you know, you're in need or you're feeling that you need that provision, trust in the God who is the God of provision, who is the God who provides. And by the way, he'll provide in the miraculous. Try him. 
Walk this out with him. Let him prove himself to you. When you get to that place where you feel empty, let him be the God who provides and the God who fills you up. Yahweh Rapha, or Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. The Lord who heals. God is a God who heals. And if you are sick, if you are broken, if you are hurting, then you can fall upon that God. You can can reach out to God and you believe that God is the God who heals. Not God will you heal, but God, you are the God who heals. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yahweh Nisi or Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is the one who protects me. The Lord is the one who fights for me. The Lord is the one who goes before me. You are not fighting alone. Excuse me. You are not fighting this fight alone. The enemy wants to lie to you and tell you that you're alone. Tell you that you're doing this by yourself. You guys, this is why we need to be the church. This is why we need each other. Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah, our banner. The God who is our banner. The God who fights for us. Who protects us. Who goes before us. Yahweh Shalom. Jehovah Shalom, God is our peace. And can I tell you right now, in the world that we are living in, we need this most of all, peace. Here's the great thing about God being the God of peace. You can bring that peace into any situation. There is no situation that's too dark. There is no situation that's too oppressive. There's no situation that is impossible for God to bring his peace into. God is the God of peace. I ask you this. I ask you this. Who do you need God to be? First of all, he already is, but what is it that you are needing? God the provider, God the healer, God our banner, our protector, our fighter, or God our peace? the truth of who God is. You need to know who your God is. Thank you, Chuck. I've had a cold, and it just snuck up on me. And the last one, Yahweh Ra'ah, or Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. It's a beautiful picture. It's one standing there looking out for you. The one who leads you to green pastures. The one who is protecting and looking out for you and making sure no wolves or, or you know, bears or anything that's going to come in and try to attack you. This is where, you guys, where we find our rest in knowing that God is the great shepherd. <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd. The second one is, is we need to understand the truth of who Jesus is. This is still something that's twisted in our culture and in our society today is the truth of who Jesus is. Who is he? Who do you say that I am, Jesus asked. 
Who do you think he is? Is he a prophet? Is he a good guy? Or is he the Messiah, the Son of God? 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, for you... Oh, I'm sorry, I jumped. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let me just tell you guys something. Because this is where truth gets distorted. And I don't mean to be mean. I don't mean to sound like a negative Nancy or whatever. But there is only one way to get to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what kind of a good person you are. The Bible does not talk about good people. Right? The Bible doesn't say if you're just a good person or if you just abide by all the rules. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to get to God is through me. Guess what? It means we don't have to be perfect, you guys. It means we just have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. The belief is in Jesus Christ alone. No one else. No one else. No matter who the world thinks they got, you know, all those different cult leaders and things like that. If you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you will be saved. The truth of who Jesus is. We need to know the truth of who Jesus is. And we need to know the truth of who we are. I need to know the truth of who I am and what the word of God says that I am and who God says that I am. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, and now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, and now you received God's mercy. You are special to God. You are his chosen priests. A royal, a royal priesthood. He has put his stamp on you, right? He has claimed you as his own. You are his. And it doesn't matter where you go or what you do or what you say. You are his. But you want to know what the enemy does to you every single day of your life? He lies to you. And he says, no, you're not. You're not one of his. You know what? You messed up today. You're out. You're out of the club. You're no good anymore. Right? That's what the enemy is constantly saying to you. But the word of God says the exact opposite. You have been purchased. You have been bought. Right? You have been adopted. That's what's the beautiful thing about adoption, you guys. I've never ever heard of a story of someone who adopted a child and then turned him back in a couple years later. 
Now, some of you have wanted to do that with your own kids, and I understand. But isn't that beautiful? Isn't, isn't just the whole adoption thing so beautiful? Because I've never, ever met a family who adopted a child and said, you know what, two, three years later, and I've seen some families go through some things with kids, but they've never, ever, ever turned them back in and said, I want a new one. And that is the love that God has for us. He's not going to trade you in. He's not going to turn you back in. There is nothing that you can do. No, nor height, nor depth, no anything can separate you from the love of God. Amen? You need to know who you are. You need to know the truth of who God says you are. That's the belt of truth. Number two. <clears throat> the body armor of God's righteousness or the breastplate, right? The part that goes over the vital organs, okay? <clears throat> Excuse me, you guys. <clears throat> the heart, right? Your heart, the very center of you, you know, your, all your internal organs, all the most important, important pieces of you that you're protecting. <clears throat> Paul is talking about this, this, oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Ricola. Thank you. <clears throat> As the belt of truth would be the believer's integrity, right? The belt of truth, the, the most integral part, the part that's holding everything together, you know, the, that's what integrity is. It, it's how strong something is, how capable of something is, you know, how, you know, and so that if the belt of truth is, is the Christian's integrity, then the body armor uh, would be the believer's purity. It's our purity. And now let me explain. It's that righteousness. And the enemy is constantly trying to pierce it. The enemy is constantly trying to find the weak link. You guys, this is why we need to follow God's word. This is why there's certain things we need to stop doing, right? There's certain things that I've just realized, you know what, it may not be something that's like blatant sin, but it's something that, that I, I, it maybe allows a, a chink in my armor or, or a, a hole in my armor that it would allow the enemy to penetrate and get through and get to me, right? It's our purity, you guys. This is why we need to be pure, and I understand that we live in a fallen world and we're sinful, and this is where God's righteousness comes in, okay? First of all, let me, I want to talk to you the difference between self-righteous and God's righteousness, because this is where we kind of, <clears throat> and we all do it, but we, we play both sides of the field, right? Well, let me explain. Self-righteous. What is self-righteous? Now, you might think, well, I've been to church. I know what self-righteous is. But it's more than that. Self-righteous is, no, I can make myself perfect. No, I can do it. I got it, God. I can do this thing on my own. That's self-righteous. That's saying, I'm going to make it right. I'm going to make myself right. That's where the idea of, well, just work hard. Just be a good person. That's self-righteousness. That's where we even get the term when we go to, you know, a church setting and I'm talking about, you know, the big beautiful cathedrals and there's a lot of people walking around with their nose in the air acting self-righteous. 
Because it doesn't matter what you look on the outside. God looks at the heart. Paul writes this. There is none righteous. No, not one. Paul said it. And Paul hit the, Paul hit the nail on the head. There is none righteous. No, not one. Because here, if there were people righteous, then they wouldn't need a savior. Then there would be no point of what Jesus did. The truth is, <clears throat> Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned, all fall short of God's glory. You guys, we're all in need of a sinner. So here's the thing. There is no righteousness in us. We need God's righteousness. How do we get it? How do we receive God's righteousness? Well, second, God's righteousness is in us. He makes us perfect. Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and what? His righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. If you're trying to live by what you think is right, you will fail at it every single time. But if you live and continue to ask God, God, how do you want me to live? How do I live in your righteousness? He says, if you seek me and if you seek my righteousness, then all those other things that you're worried about and concerned with, I got. I got it for you. You just need to live righteously. Romans 3.26, or he was looking ahead and, he in, and including them in what he would do. In this present time, God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. You guys, the answer is Jesus. Jesus is what makes us right. That breastplate of righteousness, that body arm of righteousness that we put on is knowing and believing that it's not my will that it's not in my way, that it's through seeking God's righteousness and through seeking his son every single day that that's what's going to protect my heart. That's what's going to protect my vital organs. So listen, you guys, today, we need to know the truth because the truth will set you free. And God will, if you're open to it, God will continue to reveal his truth to you. And that's what will keep everything all together, all girded up, all the vital things that you need supported. It's the very, very heart. It's the truth. It's the knowing. It's the belief. That's what Christianity is. It's a faith. That's why they call it faith. It's a faith because it's belief, right? It's believing. What do you believe? Do you know who God is? Do you, who, who do you believe that God is? Who do you believe that Jesus is? And who do you believe that you are? And that righteousness, knowing that, you guys, it's not you. Knowing that you're going to leave here and that you're going to fall into, you know, those temptations, that you're going to be imperfect. But guess what the good news is? It's not about what you do. It's about what God is doing in you. That's receiving God's righteousness and that's not st standing on your own self-righteousness. Amen? My word to you, you guys, my word and encouragement to you this month is don't run. The enemy is pressing in. The enemy is pushing in. The enemy is attacking you. He's distracting you. He's lying to you. And just like that picture 
of both Mel Gibson and the bullfighter, do not run and stand your ground. Amen? Because if we fight, if we fight, the enemy will fall. Gary kicked it off with his prayer. The enemy's got nothing because he's already been defeated. All he's trying to do is get you to run. But if you stand your ground in your house, if you stand your ground at your work, if you stand your ground at your school, if you stand your ground for your family, if you stand your ground for your church, if you stand your ground for your community, then you will see God's glory. Then you will see God be victorious. But stand your ground. Stand firm. Put on the full armor of God. All of it. Not some of it. All of it. Every single day. So that you can stand against the enemy. Amen?